der Daimler Podcast. This time on Headlights, we're with the CEO of Daimler AG and Mercedes-Benz AG, Ola Kellenius. My name is Jessica Abt and Ola and I will talk about strategy, how things have changed for him since becoming CEO and we'll even talk about ABBA and Bread. So I want to know from him, for example, what a strategy update from Mercedes-Benz is all about. It's quite simple. We will build the world's most desirable cars. The brand promise of Mercedes is sustainable modern luxury looking into the future. So whatever you get from us, you are going to be blown away. We talk about his perspective on the CEO job. When you know that you're going to go get the job, you think about it, but you don't really know until you're actually in the job. So you have a, an initial period where you find your feet and you realize the buck stops with you. It's just you. You have this great team around you, but in the end, it's you. And you have to go through that mental process. And Ola shares a true luxury experience with us. And we went to a fancy Paris restaurant where you expect that the food is going to be really good. And the best part was the bread that you received before you even started the dinner. The cook had specialized on making the best stone-baked oven bread that you could think of. So even if it was just a small overture of the intro, uh, it's what I call a plus one. So uh, first of all, hey Ola, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, today we want to talk about the strategy update of Mercedes-Benz AG and about some personal insights from you. But before we dive deep into the strategy, let's start off with some easy questions. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so first of all, I want to know, how did you get to work this morning? I drove in my company car, which is an S-Class with uh, plug-in hybrid. And okay. all the way electric, of course. Okay, that's good to hear. Actually, I hoped you say in my new S-Class, uh, but you don't have it yet, do you? No, uh, I'm eagerly awaiting the new one, but it goes to external customers first. Uh, we're about to launch here towards the end of November. Uh, so I think there are a lot of people out there that are excited about this car. <laughs> Definitely. So until the new S-Class is coming, uh, is there a favorite car in your garage so far? Oh, Mercedes has such a broad uh, uh, model range. Uh, if I would pick uh, pick maybe a few favorites as a business car, it has to be the S-Class. It is the ultimate business car in kind of upper luxury sedan. If I want to go on an adventure, it's the G uh, and maybe hit the track AMG GT. There you have a good collection if I would have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that brings me uh, to my next question. Um, one of the fun parts of being a CEO has to be driving new cars or cars the world hasn't seen yet. What was the latest car you had the opportunity to test drive? Indeed, it's one of the best parts of my job. And only last week we had a test drive again with prototypes. And I got to drive quite a few. Uh, some of the most exciting ones were the new electric vehicles. I drove the EQS. I drove also other siblings to the EQS out of that family that are not too far away into the future. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, performance, kind of the serenity that you expect from a Mercedes, uh, high tech, everything is there. Hmm, that sounds fun. Uh, however, that's not all you do all day long. Um, what's on your top of your agenda right now? What's the most important project you have in mind? There's so much going on right now. The auto industry is in full transformation. and It feels like the transformation is picking up speed. On top of that, of course, the whole world is still dealing with COVID. So we have to manage and navigate through that. But strategically, it's about uh, the technologies of the future. It's about our brand, developing our brand further, fulfilling the brand promise, 
And of course, uh, never let go on the Swabian cost discipline. Now let's turn to the more serious part of our interview, strategy. Mercedes-Benz just announced a major strategy update to pursue profitable growth in the luxury segment and target leadership in electric drive and car software. The goal is a luxury experience that will be electric, software-driven and sustainable. But what does that mean in specific terms? So uh, by now you've been in the job for roughly one year and you just announced a new company strategy for Mercedes-Benz. Um, for the beginning, let's try to put that strategy in a nutshell. So imagine you meet my mother in the elevator and we are both going up to the 12th floor and you have 12 floors time to explain our new strategy to her. All she knows is we are making cars. Go ahead. It's quite simple. We will build the world's most desirable cars. The brand promise of Mercedes is modern luxury, sustainable modern luxury, looking into the future. So whatever you get from us, you are going to be blown away. That's number one. Number two, next to all the technological uh, skills that we have that we've built up over decades here in this company, we're going to double down on two future technologies, electrification and software. And third, back to that Swabian cost discipline. That's the strategy And I don't think that's even 12 floors. I don't think so either, but um, I think my mom would let you get away with that. <laughs> um, so in your strategy update, you made it clear that we need to refocus on our true strengths. So what do you regard as Mercedes-Benz car's greatest strengths? We have over 130 years of technical excellence. We are the original luxury brand, the brand that people dream about. Uh, often when you buy your first Mercedes, it's almost as if you have arrived, you have achieved something in your life. So always to think about what that brand promise stands for and how we carry it into the future. And I think a key thing there is never stand still. You cannot rest on your laurels. So the technological development always goes further. And uh, uh, with our purpose in mind, first move the world, it, it's driven by innovation but also about timeless beauty. So defining what modern luxury should look like in, in each era. Uh, those are the types of things that, that make, the fan group, make up the fan group of Mercedes-Benz and that's why we're so strong. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned it. Uh, when we talk about the S-Class, the word luxury comes a lot. Um, can you define Mercedes luxury for us? As I said, uh, luxury is not something that stands still. It always evolves. It's our ambition as Mercedes in the automotive segment to define uh, at each moment in time what does modern, modern luxury stand for. If you look at the new S-Class, uh, the styling is sporty, elegant, it's timeless, uh, it's very technical but clean at the same time. So inside out you feel this vehicle is just, is just right. Especially on the inside, we've had a revolution. You have these now super high-tech screens, uh, massive OLED screen, the most crystal clear display that you've ever seen, a 3D instrument cluster. You don't need to wear any funny glasses to use it. I've never seen a 3D effect as good as this. But it's embedded in a beautiful, let's call it living room, of stylish Italian designer furniture not looking back, not a Baroque style, uh, very clean, very modern, very forward-looking. Mm -hmm. um, can you say that the definition of luxury has changed over the past few years? What would you say about that? I think so. Uh, whereas if you go into the past or even the distant past, often it was 
connected with opulence. But it's less about opulence. It's to be ever so slightly understated, always quality. Uh, it, it needs to feel solid and feel right. The aesthetics are hugely important. Our chief designer, Gordon Wagner, he always talks about sensual purity. So you have these, you have these shapes, uh, the proportions of the car, and it needs to really uh, kind of express here comes, uh, here comes a, a top-end product, but also the purity, the purity also of the technology that we're using. So it all comes together. It's a mosaic and every little piece has its role. And when you step back, you see this beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. uh, we also used to talk a lot about sustainability. Now we talk about luxury. How do sustainability and luxury come together? I think sustainability is more than what some people refer to as a right to play. Uh, we're in a quest, a quest for mankind to reduce CO2, eventually decarbonize everything that we do industrially or, or, or in our life. So for a modern luxury brand like Mercedes, sustainability is a must. We have to, and we have made a decision to, uh, to go on a path towards full decarbonization. We call it Ambition 2039. So within 20 years time uh, for Mercedes-Benz cars, we want to find this road to CO2 neutrality. But it's more than that. It's also about resource preservation. You can almost recycle a complete Mercedes already today, but What materials do you use when you build a new Mercedes? Can we use more secondary materials? It's, it's about the holistic view of sustainability that is part and, and uh, will be a prominent part of our brand promise. Uh, you just mentioned it in a very beautiful way, talking about the interior of the new S-Class. You said it's like an Italian design. Um, can you tell me about a luxury experience um, that really impressed you, maybe from another brand as well? Uh, what impressed me... Uh, last year, one of my best friends uh, had a, a big birthday and he invited just a small group of people uh, to, uh, to spend the weekend with him in Paris. And we went to a fancy Paris restaurant where you expect that the food is going to be really good. And the best part was the bread that you received before you even started <laughs> the dinner. Really? The cook had specialized on making the best Don't bake oven bread that you could think of. He had his own, actually had his own little farm where he did his own wheat grain, everything from A to Z. And what I remember from that dinner is that bread. <laughs> so even if it was just a small overture of the intro, uh, it's what I call a plus one, the surprise that you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. That's an example. Definitely, that bread must be impressive. Uh, did you still dip it or did you eat it dry? I did have butter with it. The butter was pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we have one example. Um, but above that, what does luxury mean to you personally? Uh, for me personally, luxury is, is time. <laughs> time with my family, time for myself. Uh, but also uh, maybe just the time that I have driving home in my car in the evening. Yeah. That is a moment of happiness, a moment of luxury, or maybe where you can calm down a little bit. And yeah. even if I have to work, coming back to the new S-Class, uh, the way this new MBUX user interface, the 2.0 version of that works, it's pure joy, it's intuitive, it's aesthetically beautiful, and everything just works. So uh, I think it was, was uh, Stephen Jobs that once said, uh, design is not just how it looks, It's also how things 
work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important here. Mm-hmm. So imagine a day uh, after work where you don't have to work driving home. Uh, what would you listen to? Uh, up until most recently, uh, all the music channels were occupied by my kids. <laughs> But now they're all out of the house. So I can finally start getting my choices. And I have a, I have a mix. I go back to the n- nostalgia of the 80s and 90s, that type of stuff. And it, it's across the board. But I just also listen to, you know, what's the latest and greatest new hits. Teaser for the last part of the interview. I think and I hope the playlist also contains some ABBA songs. But let's move on to the next pillar of the strategy. Leadership in electric drive and car software. Customers can expect a wide range of all new electric vehicles, starting with the EQS in 2021 with an electric range of more than 700 kilometers and rapidly be followed by three more models. In the area of car software, Mercedes-Benz has announced its own MBOS operating system. That's an ambitious product plan. Let's see how Ola Kalenius wants to get there. Another important pillar uh, in our strategy is claiming a leadership position in electric drive at car software. So let's start with electric drive, um, the electric first strategy. What can customers expect? Uh, What will our electric vehicles portfolio look like in the near future? As I mentioned before, we're in a fundamental transformation and the ultimate goal is decarbonization and CO2 neutrality. So inevitably, we're going to change the drivetrain. It's not going to happen overnight, so it will be a step-by-step process over many years. And we have chosen for cars to to go all in on electric drive and battery electric vehicles. And uh, we're investing massively into this on the research and development level, and a whole portfolio is being rolled out as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we get there? Um, how will we shift product development and resources and expertise to electric drive? We're building up that team, but we have created one unit inside Mercedes that we call Mercedes-Benz Drive Systems. So there's not uh, old and new, there's new and new. High-tech combustion engines, electrified high-tech combustion engines in our case, will be part of the game for many years to come. But it's one area, it's it's one larger group of people that do the drive systems for all our vehicles. Uh, and here we can tap into expertise and resources that we've built up over the decades. But of course, we're also recruiting in new areas where we maybe need experts in chemistry uh, for battery and other things. Brings me up to another question. Uh, since MBSU, I heard a lot about the Vision EQXX technology project. Um, can you tell us more about that? Vision EQXX is like a moonshot project. Yeah. It's one of those things, a challenge to the engineers to say, show us what you got. And in this particular case, uh, we wanted to do a research car, a vision car, where we want to push the boundaries of efficiency and through efficiency range. How far can you go on one charge? I think the team said it needs to be Stuttgart-Marseille or Stuttgart-Rome, so a very long distance on one charge. But it starts with efficiency and the layout of the whole vehicle, so it's not just about the electric powertrain. So here, the engineers have a fun project, moonshine project. They can go to town and, and, and really do some crazy stuff. But keep in mind that the technologies that they develop for this project, that some of them can also be found not uh, too long after in road cars. And even the Formula One team is pitching in. So uh, the team up in Brixworth in England, where we have our uh, powertrain for Formula One, they're an integral part of this project as well. 
That sounds really fun. So what do I have to do to work with that project? You have to apply, but I suspect you should have a pretty strong resume in engineering. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. So I go to another question. Uh, let's talk about car software. Um, key to this new strategy is our own MBOS operating system. It will be developed in-house and is scheduled for launch in 2024, I think. So can you discuss that step for us in terms of connectivity and how it differentiates us from the competition in digital services? This is already a journey uh, that we started several years ago. And the first fruits of that journey was the first generation MBUX that we launched back in 2018 with New A-Class, where we picked one domain, the infotainment domain, to make it uh, totally connected to the cloud. You have a, an I, uh, a Mercedes Me ID, like, like you're used to with a smartphone. Uh, you have features that you can download over the air. It's intuitive, it's good looking, it has everything that you want, uh, easy to use, uh, whether you want to communicate, listen to music or, or what have you. So that was the embryo of this new thinking. Uh, and uh, step by step, we're adding to this now, but we want to go all the way to an operating system, MB operating system for the whole car. So domain by domain, including the base operating system for the vehicle, we're now in development of this, to launch this for architectures starting in 2024 and forward but it will really be for all the Mercedeses. So it's scalable, uh, controlling all of the vehicle. We then own the interface towards the customer, the digital interface towards the customer. It's not something that we want to outsource. Uh, we want the customer to be directly connected with us. But of course, we will also work with partners on doing this, even though we will do a lot of the programming ourselves. In many cases, we'll select the best partners in the market, tech companies or other suppliers, uh, to help us develop this new operating system. Mm -hmm. um, are there also areas where you expect suppliers to come in? Absolutely. Uh, on the hardware, for sure. So the computing power, the chipsets that you need, they need to be the latest and greatest generation and need to have a, a, an enormous amount of processing power because we're adding features in the driving assistance, autonomous drive system domain alone, where we have chosen to, to work with NVIDIA, their next generation chipset will be uh, unbelievably powerful. And what's our thinking behind that? It is that the product evolves. So even if you have bought the car, you will get more features going into ownership of that car. So at the point of sale, you buy something, but it gets better and better over time. And that's not just true for this domain. Other domains, we will work with um, uh, experts and suppliers and tech companies as well. But it's one thing that is really important. We remain the architect of the whole operating system. So we're in control and we control the interface towards the customer. Mm -hmm. So when we now imagine where car software goes in a couple of years, um, is there a connected car feature you wish you already had? I don't know. Is there a connected car feature I wish I already had? It must, uh, it must be something that has to do with predictability. <laughs> Artificial right. intelligence is already in our vehicles today. They, they, the car almost tries to read your mind what's going to be your next move. I'm excited to see what we can develop there. So the personal digital butler that knows you better than you know yourself and suggests to you the next move that you want to do before you 
have even thought of it. Now, plans and ambitions often sound great, but you also have to implement and measure them successfully. Another part of the strategy update is to lower the cost base and improve the industrial footprint. For example, Mercedes-Benz aims to cut fixed costs by more than 20% by 2025 in absolute terms, compared to its 2019 baseline. However, although we are based in Swabia, saving money alone is not a strategy. I want to know what changes employees and customers should expect to see. What parameters will we use to judge whether the strategy is a success and um, how much time are we giving ourselves to make it a success? Ultimately, the customer is the judge of how well we do our work. So uh, our success with our products, the feedback that we get from our customers, of course, also as a company, our ability to, to uh, generate profitable growth with what we're doing. So we have uh, both customer-related uh, perspective here as well as financial perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, you said uh, we will build the most desirable cars, but um, is there a KPI for desirability? Can we measure that? Is there a KPI for love? I don't know. <laughs> uh, difficult to pinpoint, but also there, of course, our success in the market, uh, how our products get rated, what people say, uh, how we grow, and of course, as a business, how we make money. Definitely. So um, brings me to my next question. Thank you for that. Um, one point that really stood out in the feedback um, after the strategy update were the financial admissions for 2025. So the focus will um, shift from volume to profitability. And uh, you're aiming for a double-digit margin. Which changes do we have to expect when it comes to development, to production and sales? With regard to our strategy, profitable growth, our uh, focus will be to pursue positions in our portfolio where we have the highest returns. So where are the strengths of Mercedes? We're a modern luxury brand. We don't want to compete with the volume brands. So we're not going to proliferate downwards. Uh, uh, the goal is not to chase volume, but is to grow in the areas where we have the biggest and, and, and best profit pools. And frankly speaking, where our brand promise fits best to what customer expects from us. So that, that we will do. Um, on the other hand, as a company, we know we have to address our cost structure. So cost efficiency, it's an eternal task. Uh, and sometimes I joke, we're a Swabian company. What are the Swabian no known for? They know how to really take care of money and not waste money. So efficiency, this uh, eternal marathon of just keeping uh, efficiency efforts going, it will never stop. In some cases where we are now, we also have to do some cost restructuring. And uh, Harald, our CFO, I think he put down a pretty clear marker announcing what our concrete financial ambitions are. That will be hard work, but if we all pull together and stay determined and disciplined, we can make that work. Combining that with investing into new technologies and exciting products, yes, when the market conditions are right, so when the skies are sunny, we should be a company that can also make a double-digit margin. Mm -hmm. I just said it. Um, it's um, necessary to do hard work, hard decisions as well. Um, I think it's not possible to achieve these numbers you're talking about um, without cutting costs, also personal costs. So as a leader, as a CEO, how do you handle tough decisions like this? If you don't make tough decisions that sets your company up for future success, you will regret it down the road. 
So the best thing also for job security and making sure that we have a prosperous future and can grow. And of course, as a company, we will and can grow. Uh, that's why don't postpone the, uh, uh, the difficult things. Better to do them now and then uh, move on. Mm-hmm. To sum it up, uh, what was the feedback of the analysts on the strategy update? Are you satisfied? Did you feel like you made your points? I think our points came across pretty clear. Uh, we got uh, good feedback from our investors. They said, okay, we understand the direction. We support this direction. Now it's up to you guys. Execution. You got to deliver this. So the hard part starts now. Mm-hmm. But you're smiling when you say it. So I think you're pretty eager to achieve this. Well, the whole management team, the whole company is poised to get this done. Uh, to build the world's most desirable cars that comes natural to Mercedes-Benz. We, we, we know how to do that. And if we add strength in new technologies, if we stay disciplined on the cost side, if we always focus and ask ourselves, what does our brand stand for and how do we fulfill our brand promise? If we stick to these quite simple recipes, but I understand not always easy to execute, I'm convinced that we can be successful. Mm-hmm. In times like these, of course, we also have to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Um, has the coronavirus pandemic hampered or accelerated our transformation? And how do you quantify the effects of the corona crisis on future operative planning? The COVID-19 pandemic certainly has been, as they say in baseball, a curveball. <laughs> And when we entered into this, it was really about two things, protect our people, but also protect the company. So in this first six, seven, eight months of it, I think we've done a pretty reasonable job there, always looking at people first, safety first, but at the same time, managing our liquidity, and we have done well there also. We, we have a robust balance sheet of this company and a robust liquidity, and we have actually been able to strengthen our position there in spite of uh, markets that were falling due to lockdowns and so on. With regard to transformation, it hasn't slowed anything down. We haven't stopped any investments in the new products or electric vehicles or, 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 or the digitization for that matter. We're protecting those, those seeds for the future. Uh, so if anything, we're minima, minimum at the same speed. Who knows? Perhaps it will go even quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Toto Wolf told us in another podcast episode about one of the positive side effects of Corona. His aerodynamic team uh, actually identified more areas for aerodynamic improvement while working from home than working from the office. So are there any other similar stories you can share positive side effects of Corona? What has hugely, hugely impressed me is how the whole team of Daimler came together. So we overnight, more or less, had a different way of working, uh, having to work from home or from other places or being apart from each other. But everybody came together and we changed very quickly. Often you uh, talk about agility and you look at uh, presentations and take seminars. I think this was the ultimate proof of how agile a 300,000-person uh, company can be. Uh-huh. So that can-do attitude and everybody stepping up to the plate being his or her own entrepreneur, that is what has impressed me most. Mm, yeah, you sound proud of your team. Absolutely. Okay, that's enough strategy for now. In wrapping up this interview, we wanted to take the opportunity to get to know Ola Kalenius better. How does he reflect on his start as CEO? What drives him? And is it really true that all Swedes love ABBA? 
So uh, we have talked a lot about uh, external circumstances that shape your job, such as brand positioning, market expectation costs, etc. But uh, what I want to know is what has been the biggest shift for you internally, personally, since becoming CEO? When you know that you're going to go get the job, you think about it, but you don't really know until you're actually in the job. So you have a, an initial period where you find your feet and you realize the buck stops with you. It's just you. You have this great team around you, but in the end, it's you. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through that mental process. I think that's now behind me, and I've gotten a little bit more used to this role, and uh, I'm looking forward. I always like uh, to compare it with um, becoming a parent or becoming a leader. Uh, can you compare that as well? Is that a similar process? When we had our first child, of course, uh, we didn't know what was back and what was front. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that was a daunting uh, moment as well in, in my life. Uh, and perhaps maybe that analogy is not so bad. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, from Adi Ofek from Tel Aviv, if you want to talk about that with her. <laughs> Um, so besides driving all our new products, we talked about that in the beginning, what is the best part of being CEO? What drives you? The best part is uh, that you are in a position where you can make things happen. You can set a strategic agenda, you can make decisions, you can actually shape the future of the company. You carry a big responsibility, uh, but you're not forced to do this. It's something that you want to do. So uh, this, this, this really ability to shape uh, the future of the company, I think it's the best part. Mm, and you've been working for Daimler for 27 years now, so you shaped a lot here. Uh, you spent your entire career here in this company. What makes this company so special for you? Why is it a great place to work? Daimler is unique. It is the inventor of the automobile. That star stands for so much uh, innovation, excellence, beauty, so many things. That's what lured me to the company. And to be one of the people that uh, get to, I don't know, be part of, of one uh, period of time in this great company's history is, is just been fantastic and I've never looked back. Okay, but uh, let's think it the other way around. Uh, what have likely been your job if you never joined Mercedes? Hard to, hard to think about that because you become so, so one with the mm -hmm. company that yeah. you, you don't think about anything <laughs> else. Uh, but I'm sure I would have done something that uh, has an, a tangible industrial product. I want to be associated with a company that makes things. So not something that you can't touch. It needs to be something that you can really have as a tangible product for me. Okay. I also asked that question, um, another colleague of Berlin, I think, and he said, uh, I'd probably be in a band. <laughs> That's not your choice. No, my musician skills are far too weak to do that. I wouldn't be, I don't know, a fan of a band. Yeah, that's fine as well. <laughs> a band needs fans, so that's good. Um, but in your time at Mercedes, not only have our products changed, but also our culture and um, our management and leadership culture especially. So what management and leadership style do you expect from your team? What makes good management? Ambition an entrepreneurial thinking, really think as if the company uh, uh, was your own and not just expect it to be there. You're part of this company, you need to take responsibility for it. Communication, try to pull people with you uh, and also uh, uh, not taking no for an answer. Pushing the boundaries, that's what our founding fathers did. They, they broke out, broke out of an old paradigm and created a whole new industry. 
we need to keep this entrepreneurial pioneering spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to stay with the management and leadership thing for a moment. Um, as a CEO, you are at the top of the reporting line of thousands of employees worldwide. So after all, you are their manager. But at the same time, you actually instruct only a few people around you. So it's an interesting field of tension. So what's more important for you, management or leadership? In my role, it has to be leadership because it would be totally impossible for me to manage everything and everybody. It's, it's, it's not my goal. Uh, of course, sometimes you get carried away and you <laughs> want to be part of actually finding the solution mm-hmm. and you're discussing in detail and then you have to take a step back. So you, you, you ghost in and out of the detail work and yeah. you have to ask the people around me, maybe they get annoyed by that, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but in general, what, what do you do? You have to try to set the strategic direction. Where is the company going? Communicate that well. And then in the end, maybe the most important task is to select the people around you that take responsibility for then executing the strategy. Uh-huh. You just said uh, you're ghosting in and out of detail work. Uh, which part, which field has the most risk for you for diving in? Which are you most interested in? Uh, Anything and everything that has to do with the product, maybe the styling of the product. Having worked in marketing and sales, I do get on the nerves of the marketing and salespeople from time to time. (laughs) Uh, But uh, product or brand, I would say. (laughs) Okay. Um, So um, what type of people do you most enjoy working with? We have such a diverse team that you cannot pick a category. And that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. If we would just have people as a manager on any level of the company that just resemble yourself, that you think, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I like this person, (laughs) that would not be be a good company. So it is the tension that you get into a system through having many different types of personalities and diversity in general across the board is something that strengthens the company. So I tend to not select a particular category. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But um, so what would be a type of character very opponent to your character? You have to ask other people about that. <laughs> But one thing that people should do is they should have uh, the sense of duty that we're working for this company, working for this great brand. We're custodians of this great brand. And it is our, in my point of view, duty uh, to leave that brand to the ones that come after us in better shape than we got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, before becoming CEO, you worked for a lot of leaders yourself. Um, what is the most important thing you've learned from them or what would you like to give back as a leader? I've had the lucky situation that almost all of my bosses were pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to name <laughs> the names good. of the ones that were maybe not so good. <laughs> But I've had, I've had great bosses over the years that have uh, helped me mm-hmm. and promoted me. So uh, uh, getting into the position that I'm now would not have been possible without their support. Mm-hmm. And perhaps one thing that we shouldn't forget is that for a couple of the tasks that I were given, if I look on paper, maybe I was not yet qualified, but they were still willing to take the risk and bet on me. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I've learned. Yeah, that's very, very important to have people around you who believe in you, right? Yeah, and and uh, and especially your superiors that think yeah. beyond. 
Definitely. So we are almost at the end of our interview, but uh, there are one, well, maybe two questions <laughs> I still want to ask. So um, we looked um, ahead and in the future, and now I want to look back uh, to your roots. You're from Sweden. So um, maybe you can tell us what cliché about Sweden annoys you the most. Oh, what are the clichés of Sweden? Polar bears in the streets. <laughs> you don't have that? Wrong country. <laughs> Okay, and which cliché is true? Uh, which cliché is true? Uh, in the summer on mid on, on midsummer night, it is a pretty good party. And yes, people tend to maybe drink too much uh, on midsummer night's party. Has Ola Kalenius ever done that? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Uh, there's one more cliché I want to check with you. What is it with ABBA? Are you all ABBA fans? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, I can totally agree. I love that as well. So <laughs> thanks again for your time, for giving us some insights and backgrounds. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you very much, Ola. Thank you. This has been Headlights with the CEO of Daimler AG and Mercedes-Benz AG, Ola Kellenius. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a like or a comment and tell your friends and colleagues. You can check out our other episodes of Headlights as well. Or tune in into the podcast from our colleagues at Daimler Mobility Services called Two Strangers for Mobility and starting on November 30th. Bye for now from Headlights Podcast with Jessica Abt.